everyone. Welcome to the You Gotta Be Bullshilling Me podcast. This is your host, Brian C. Schilling, live from Los Angeles, California. I hate the letter Y, but I love every day of the week. News of the day. Justin Bieber covers up his tattoos for his music video shoot. The Cleveland Browns clinched the playoff spot for the first time since 2002. And Kim Kardashian goes off on Chloe and Courtney. Today on our show, we have a very, very, very special guest. You all will know him as a host on the ABC7 Chicago daytime talk show, Windy City Live. He's hot. He's got the trot, and on our show, we drink Red Bull to pump us up. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ryan Cheverini. Ryan, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks for the nice intro there, Brian. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you for taking the time today to be on our number one podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on our show, and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. I hope you had great holidays. Uh, I know 2021 has got to be better than 2020, right? Like the bar is so low that I think we're going to have a much better year. We have to. We absolutely have to. And I said it on the last show last week uh, that uh, I hate even numbers. And 2020 was such an awful year. And I'm hoping that 2021 being an odd year uh, is going to be a, a lucky year and, and a, a, a year of health, happiness, and good fortune for everyone. Yeah, I never thought about odds and even numbers, but I'm with you now. I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm with the odds. The odds good. will be better. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So let me ask you, Ryan, uh, what is something that people could misunderstand about you when you discuss certain sensitive topics on Windy City Live? Well, I think that people don't realize, you know, that for one, we're all humans, right? So, and right. I do a live show, just like right now, we have one chance to get it right. So we're doing a live show for 10 years, naturally, you're gonna say some things that might come out in a way that you weren't intending. So I think that we're in this crazy time where we're so quick to cancel people and we're into this cancel culture and judging somebody all the time when, you know, I think anytime I speak, it comes from a place of love. I, I like to believe it comes from a place of education. I've always tried to be, you know, educated on the topics we're talking about. But when you deal with sensitive issues, you know, naturally, like I said, you're not always gonna get it right, but it's all about, you know, addressing that, apologizing uh, and moving forward. And I think as a society, we all need to do that a little bit more. I, I don't like the cancel culture. I think it's the wrong message. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I love what you said about love, um, that, uh, you know, you like to portray love. And, and uh, you know, I have a slogan, love, L-O-V-E, which stands for let our violence end. And, uh, you know, so that's so great that you, uh, you know, so have such a genuine big heart. Um, I know you brought it up briefly there, but how many seasons has your show been on the air so far? We're in our 10th season, Brian. We wow. Actually, yeah, it's not. Congratulations. Nuts. Thank you. Yeah, we, um, we've done over 2,000 shows. We uh, are sort of, we sort of started as like the little engine that could. And, and we've just kind of grown this thing to really become a staple in Chicago. And I guess the nicest compliment I, I hear in Chicago, and I know if people are listening in other parts of the country, they're probably like, who is this guy? But in Chicago, we've really become the go-to show for celebrities and for, um, for everyday people and people making a difference in their communities. We kind of feature That's everything, you know, everyday heroes. And we feature, you know, some of the biggest A-list celebrities that come through Chicago as well. So we've been very, very blessed. And, you know, we took over the day after Oprah retired. 
And I think people gave us, they, they, I remember we were on the front page of yahoo.com. It said, Oprah, here are your replacements. And it was a picture of me and my co-host Val Warner. And all of the comments were so mean. And my family, <laughs> uh, my dad was so upset and my mom was upset. I said, guys, don't listen to that. I mean, th this is how social media works. People are going to be mean. They're like saying, uh, is this an April Fool's joke? And they just were very, you know, very, very mean spirited. And here's the thing is we replaced the Chicago uh, time slot of Oprah Winfrey. We did not replace Oprah. They're, you're never going to replace her. We had to kind of carve out our own thing, you know? I, I think that it was nice because our bosses were patient and uh, Chicago was patient and they realized there's never going to be another Oprah. I mean, what, is, what do the Bulls do when Jordan retires? They don't just quit playing basketball. You right. try to reinvent yourself. And I think we try to carve out our own little niche and thankfully we're still around. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, 10 years, I mean, I mean, that's, that's uh, 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 that's very uh, amazing, and and you know you and uh, uh, your co-host. Uh, I watched uh, some of the shows, and uh, when I was doing some research on you and this, that, and the other, and checking out your social media and this, that, and the other, and uh, you know your show is so uh, it's so real, um, and uh, um, you know it's amazing that you know you guys were able to find your identity um, and run with it uh, for as long as you have, especially when your show is trying to, like you said, uh, replace uh, the Oprah show. Um, yeah, early on, early on, it was, it was tough because there was a lot of comparisons. It did help us book some major A-list celebrities early on. You know, every marketing and PR firm is telling their client celebrity, hey, this is the show that replaced Oprah. So, you know, you have everybody from Will Ferrell to Vince Vaughn, uh, Mike Tyson, and all these big stars are coming on the show and we That's were right. technically the show that replaced Oprah. So I guess it helped from a marketing standpoint, but we had to really create our own thing. And, and, you know, have we sure, certainly made some mistakes along the way, of course, but I think we've learned from it. We've tried different things. I remember the first year our producers were saying, Hey, we're going to experiment. We're going to, we're going to throw stuff. Absolutely. The wall sticks. We're going to, you know, just like right now you're doing this, this show. And I'm sure along the way, you're going to find some things that work, find some things that don't work, and then you fix them and you tweak them and then you, you kind of hone the craft and it just kind of develops. Absolutely. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I know that one of the episodes that I did watch of your show, Windy City Live, to have a guy like Chance the Rapper on the show who's from Chicago going on this big daytime talk show that's filmed in Chicago, Windy City Live, I think that speaks a lot about your show. You know what was interesting, Brian, is that uh, it's so cool for me to see people that are not famous yet, and then they come onto a show, and then you see their rise, and you kind of get to follow their career. We've had that. We've had that happen a couple of times. One, of course, is Chance. He's a Chicago native. We were the first TV show to put him on. Nobody knew who he was. People in the Chicago music scene, you know, were kind of talking about this kid. And I remember our producer at the time said this kid's going to be huge. Uh, Kanye West likes this kid. And we're like, what? Okay, fine. We'll have him on. We had him on. Nobody really knew who he was. He performed, you know, we had some chance people that sort of knew him, but not really. And then within uh -huh. six months, he was performing on the Grammys. And it was just so cool to see that transition and to see the fact that he hasn't changed a bit. He's still the same Chicago kid and he's so likable. But then also we had Ed Sheeran come on okay. and he was already a star in the UK, but nobody knew who he was in the United States. Nobody was playing his music. He uh -huh. came to the show, was not a big deal. He performs, you know, he sang a song 
And then literally three weeks later, he's on every big national show, every award show. And obviously wow. Ed Sheeran's one of the biggest names in music. And I remember he signed a picture, yeah. uh, headshot, and he left it on my desk. He left it for us. And I, I just kind of tossed it aside. And within uh -huh. a month, I was like looking through a stack of papers. Where's that yeah. picture? I have it in Where's that autograph? Where's that autograph? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's framed in my office now. Yeah. And, you know, so that's amazing that, you know, your show can also be like a platform to help someone who's not famous yet, but has a passion for their art. And you can actually, your show can put someone on the map, which I think is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's really a good avenue for a lot of people, whether somebody is established or whether somebody is kind of still trying to find their way in their career. I think when you're doing a local show, you're a little more apt to give somebody a chance or a rising star or a rising actor or a rising musician. And then it is fun to kind of follow them and see what happens with them after. And every once in a while, I'll be watching a movie on Netflix and I'll be like, I remember that face. I know that face. I'll think, oh, wow, we had him on or her on, you know, back in season one or two of our show. And it's kind of nice to see them, you know, excel. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, let me ask you, Ryan, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to him? Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, I mean, Can I just... Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I just think that when you're young, you know, you dwell on things too much, you know, I mean, think about all the pressure we put on kids in school and to get good grades and then go to college and study, get good grades. I'm not saying don't study, but I'm saying don't, nobody has ever asked to see my transcript. Not once. I've, I've never even shown my college degree to get a job. Not once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's framed. It's sitting in my dad's house. I mean, if somebody ever asked me to see my college degree, I, I, I wouldn't even know. I would have bring it in in a big frame. Nobody's ever going to ask you that. So, yeah, study hard and things like that, but enjoy your life and enjoy the ride, I guess, too, because I think I spent, I definitely spent my 20s just grinding, working nights, weekends, holidays, every Christmas. And some of that was not by choice. It was, you know, I was a sportscaster at the time and kind of paying my dues, but I was always focused on the next thing. What's next? What's next? What am I going to do next? Instead of enjoying the ride because the ride is part of it too and you don't want to look back and say man i was always chasing this dream and never enjoyed the journey and i think when i got into my 30s i really started enjoying where i was am i always aspiring for other things or bigger things sure but i think i would tell my 18 year old self enjoy the ride because the ride is fun too absolutely and and, and you know you you said something that i totally agree with and that's you know, part of our society these days, especially now with social media and, and, and whatnot, it's very hard for people, especially the millennials, to be in the moment, to be present, and to enjoy every moment, every second, every day, every month, every year, because the 18-year-old child, or I should say adult, because they're now officially legally an adult at 18, but they you know, they don't realize how, how fast time flies. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is social media, right? It's like, it, it, it distracts us. We have these smartphones in our hands and it's literally making us dumber. <laughs> we're, we're not full, <laughs> we're supposed to be with, sometimes we're at dinner. I mean, I have a rule when I'm at dinner, no phones. And I know that I can be bad about my phone too, just like everybody else. I'm not gonna just finger point. We're all guilty of it at different times, no matter what your age group is. but at dinner, it's a big thing for me. 
put your phones away. If you're, if it's, you know, you and your friends, everybody should either put their phone at the middle of the table. First one to grab it has to buy a round of shots. Or if you're on a date, just put it away. It's, it's a distracting thing. I'm so glad uh, that I came up in a generation that didn't even have social media because I think this next generation, it's really, you know, messing sort of with their brains in their formative years. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a great documentary out about that. It's called uh, The Social Dilemma. Everybody should watch that. The Social Dilemma? Yeah, and it really talks about sort of the dopamine hit that you get on likes and, you know, the younger generation, they're so wanting to be accepted. Every generation wants to be accepted when they're kids, right? But it's like right. now they have to deal with not only being liked in person in school, they have to like be want to get likes literally on their social media pages. And it sort of just shifts, you know, what's important to you. And now it's no longer about sitting around enjoying a dinner. It's about, oh, how many likes did I get on this picture of my of my dinner? Right. No, absolutely. And and I think that's, I mean, again, I agree with you totally is that, you know, these these millennials are are more concerned, like you said, about uh, face tuning their face and posting it and seeing how many likes they can get and comments they can get, uh, you know, rather than about uh, what's really important in life. Um, and that brings me to uh, the next question here. Um, I want you to play out this scenario with me, okay? I'm going to give you a million dollars to spend. And the only rule is that you have to spend the million dollars on others and not yourself. Who okay, would you like spend a million dollars on for what and why? Okay, all million dollars, does it have to go into all one place? No, you can, you can segregate it however you want to segregate it. Well, um, I think I would, build a, I would build some type of youth sports complex because for me, I didn't grow up with a lot, went through a lot of challenges, you know, with my family and divorces and, you know, substance abuse from my mom and addiction. And sports was my outlet. When people, my brother played in the NFL for five years. He's now the offensive coordinator at Colorado. I've been uh, able to have a successful TV career. And my friends and neighbors from, you know, back home will say, it's amazing that you and your brother turned out this way. Like, it's amazing that you both were successful because statistically, you should have been dead or in jail. But for me, sports uh -huh. was a big outlet for me, right? It, it taught me about teamwork. It taught me about sharing and it taught me about a common goal. It taught me that it doesn't matter what your race is or gender is. It's all about, you know, coming together and unity and all of those things. So I just think it's a great character builder. It's not even about the sport itself. It's about being a part of something as a, as a kid and sort of learning all of these life lessons. So I think that if we could build sports complexes or just, you know, YMCA is great, any kind of youth center. And I really would like to see more pro athletes do that. You know, we talk about all of these movements mm -hmm. that are going on in our society right now. How beautiful would it be to see every pro athlete donate however much money, name, name the dollar amount, name it, maybe it's a million dollars. And all that money goes directly back to their community to build these community centers. Yeah, I think that's great. And like you said, sports, you know, I grew up playing sports my whole life too. And what's amazing about sports is like you said, the camaraderie. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot of inclusion and, 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 you know, the diversity 
and you know you get all different races and religions and um, genders and sexual orientations and this that and the other and and you know it's amazing how you can learn discipline and structure because that what you learn by playing a sport with the discipline and the structure and so forth really can help you down the line as you grow up and like yourself and like you said your brother it can it can help you be very successful in whatever career path that you have chosen or that God has blessed you with. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I have a um, I have a scrapbook, right? And I went back and I was kind of flipping through the pages the other day, and I saw all of these team pictures of all the sports I played, and I'm I'm kind of looking at the team pictures, going, oh, I remember this guy, or I remember this guy, and I'm looking at the diversity in the picture. And it's something that I'm now aware of. When I was a kid, you don't even think about it. But right. I'm aware of going, wow, this is amazing. You know, we have all of these different people from all these different races. We never even thought about it. You know, we just were trying to win games and trying to go have pizza parties and do the things that kids do. But you didn't realize it was teaching you uh, life lessons that don't judge people. And there's a lot that can be uh, learned coming up growing sports. I encourage any kind of team activity is something that I would encourage any parent to get their child involved in. It doesn't have to be sports, but anything to where you can be a, a team oriented, you know, activity. Absolutely. And it's good for, you know, for, for everything, for their, for, for their health, their mind, their body, um, socialization, you know, socialization is huge for children. Um, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, is there something about you that our audience doesn't know that you would like to share, whether it's personally or professionally? Um, I know in doing some research about you, I've known, I, 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 I read um, that your father was a musician um, you yourself have won some uh, some different broadcasting uh, awards. Um, so is there anything that you want to share with our audience uh, all over the world, um, uh, whether it's either personally or professionally or both? Well, a lot of people don't know that my father actually has a platinum album because you did do your homework. Uh, my dad was in a band called The yes. Lively Ones, and they opened for Sonny and Cher and the Beach Boys in the 60s. They recorded this song called Surf Rider, and a lot of other songs that they sort of had in the top 20, maybe top 15 uh, on the charts. Amazing. So, so yeah, so then 30 years go by, 35 years, my dad gets a call from a guy named Bob Keen. Now, if you've ever seen the movie La Bamba, Bob Keen was Richie Valens' agent. Amazing. Yeah, so Bob Keen also represented my dad's band called The Lively Ones. And he said, hey, there's this, um, there's this movie, it's coming out, it's called Pulp Fiction. And uh, the director, his name is, uh, I don't know, his name's like Quentin something, Quentin Tarantino or something. Yeah, Tarantino was not a big star at the time. Uh -huh. And they, uh, he chooses all of the songs that he puts in every one of his films, I guess. That's his big thing. And he literally sifts through records. And wow. he pulled out one of my dad's records and he, there was a song he really liked from my pops because he was in a surf band uh -huh. and they decided to use that song right at the very end of the movie when Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson walk out of the diner that movie that song starts playing so the entire song gets played which is cool because a lot of movies you only get a five second clip right right so um the song the movie ends up um becoming a smash hit the album you know the soundtrack sells like three million copies so my dad by wow. sort of by luck and by accident on a song that was released 30 years prior, uh, he earned a platinum album, which hangs in his house. It's kind of cool. 
That's amazing. That is so awesome. Good for him. And uh, um, going into that, um, you are also a, a musician yourself too, right? You play the guitar and you sing. And when I was doing uh, some research on you as well too, prior to the show, I did happen to come across a YouTube video of a song that I believe that you wrote, that you came out with. Yeah, I think it released, what, it did, you dropped it about a year ago. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I um, have a couple of songs out. That one um, is called This Is Country. And I, I'm sort of the photocopy of the photocopy from my pops. <laughs> not quite as good, not quite as clean, but um, it's something that I love to do. I'm passionate about it. And I'm passionate about putting um, good causes behind it. So that one, um, all of the proceeds we donated to um, cancer research because I lost my mom to cancer. And uh, I, I released a song a few years before that called Chicago. I know, real catchy name. And uh -huh. <laughs> we did a music video for both of them. That one, it was like all the highlights of the city. It was beautiful and shot in the summer when it was actually nice out. And that one, we donated uh -huh. proceeds to American Foundation for Suicide Prevention because I, I lost a little brother to suicide. So I'm very passionate uh, about yeah, causes. And yeah, thank you. Passionate about causes and just trying to use my platform and everybody has a platform and, and should do good with it. It doesn't mean you have to have a TV show. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to have a hundred thousand followers or a million followers on Instagram. Everybody has a platform. And I think everybody should feel some type of obligation to want to do better, you know, leave this world a little bit better than you found it. And doing good for others actually makes you feel better. So mm -hmm. for people that are down and depressed, and these are tough times, you know, the best way you can help yourself feel better is to do something good for somebody else. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of times people, um, you know, are so, you know, I don't want to sound cliche here, but they're so focused on themselves. Um, you know, and I always say it too, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, like, you know, be friendly. There's nothing wrong with being friendly and, and, and be loving and be giving and help people in need. Um, you know, and, and that goes a long way, you know, it's good karma. Um, and speaking of karma, uh, I wanted to ask you as we bring in, uh, the new year, 2021, do you have a new year's resolution or do you not do new year's resolutions? You know, it's so funny because, uh, last year, so we just did our first live show of the new year on Windy City Live. And I didn't make one this year because <laughs> last year I said on the show, on the first show back, and everybody's been tweeting this back to me, by the way. <laughs> I said, I'm going to take 12 trips this year. I'm going to take one trip per month in the month in the year of 2020. This is what I'm, I'm going to do. And, you know, we're like, okay, well, where, where are you going to go? Oh, you know, all right, this is where I want to go. You know, at least one international trip. I'm a, there's some cities I want to see that I haven't been to. Like, I haven't been to Graceland yet. And I'm a big Elvis fan. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I'm like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to take my dad there. This is what I want to do. And guess, guess, you know, how many trips we took? Yeah, not, not 12. Let's yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's funny to me because I think it's, you know, it's hysterical every new year for me because I'm, you know, I, I do work out and I go to the gym every, you know, every once in a while, but it's funny. It's hysterical that every new year, the gyms are completely packed. Mm -hmm. Everyone's on the paleo diet and it only lasts for like two weeks, right? And then after yeah. the two weeks, the gyms are empty and the lines for the drive-through at the fast food restaurants are completely packed <laughs> down the, you know, down the street, around the block, 
You know, and it's hysterical. It's like, you know, for, it's like for two weeks, people are good. And then after those two weeks, it's like back to the norm. You know what I mean? So it's- uh, I think it's, they say that um, 17 days is about, it might be 14 or 17 days is about the time that everybody breaks their resolution. So you don't need the new year to, you know, put resolutions in your life or make some goals. I'm more of a goal oriented person. You know, it's like, you know, that's why the travel thing, because a resolution, isn't that something you're supposed to give up? Uh, I mean, for me, I, I just, I try to be more goal oriented. So uh, this year I'm going to try to maybe pick up the phone a little bit more and talk to friends because we're such in this tech device era that we, we've kind of lost the art of actually talking to one another. Can you imagine picking up a phone and actually speaking to one another? It's yeah, no, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I was actually talking to my father uh, uh, the other day uh, about exactly what you brought up. And that is, you know, my opinion is, there's absolutely no more customer service anymore. If you have a problem with something and you need to get a, you know, a hold of someone via the telephone, it's never a live person that you're talking to. It's okay, press one. Now after you press one, we need you to press three. Now after you press three, we need you to press seven. And it's like, I don't want to keep pressing numbers. I want to talk to a human being. Like that, you know, that personable, uh, uh, um, you know, communication and that, 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 you know, personable, you know, conversation over the phone. Like you said, it doesn't exist anymore. You, you, it's just all, it's all, it's all just pressing numbers. I know Elon Musk said it best. The existential, existential uh, threat to humanity is AI. You know, it's uh -huh. like everywhere you go, you're seeing robots doing humans jobs. Now you're doing self checkout, right? You're doing yeah. this and boom, the groceries get delivered. Your Amazon, it's a button. I mean, where are the jobs going to be? So yeah, it's uh, the human connection thing. We are definitely losing and we're losing it in our friendships and relationships too. So yes. like, have you ever, have you ever texted with somebody like maybe in your dating life and uh, you're texting with this person and then you meet them in real life and you're like, what? Where, where's this person at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally different personalities. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And it can be, uh, you know, they call that what? Catfishing, right? Catfishing. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's a, so it's a totally when you're different world. Live, I want to get back to your show. Um, can you tell our audience exactly what your show entails? We're on five days a week, Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Central Time. Uh, for people out of Chicago, they can still watch us on the ABC Watch app or abc7chicago.com. And basically what we do is we're sort of a, you know, we're a daytime show that covers everything from, you know, what's going on locally to what's going on nationally. Uh, and this is, you know, top headline news, but it's also some celebrity news and pop culture because people are obsessed with celebrities. <laughs> and we have uh, everyday people on and we have the big stars on and musicians. It's kind of a, a little bit of everything. It's imagine, you know, Kelly and Ryan is the national show in New York, but it's Ryan and Val. <laughs> and that's my co-host. And, and then we, uh, we usually have a live audience as well. So it's very similar to that show, which is sort of our sister show in New York. Uh -huh. And uh, and yeah, we're going 10 seasons strong now. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. That's amazing. So for your show, Windy City Live, now you brought up your, your, your co-host. I believe you said her name is Val Warner. Yep. Has she been your, your co-host for all 10 years? She has. We That's did amazing. A, yeah, we did an audition. It was sort of like American Idol. We had a, <laughs> she, 
Yeah, we actually had a cocktail party. I'll never forget this. The producers whittled it down to the top 50 people because there was about 500 people that, uh, that wanted the job. Wow. So they whittled it down to the top 50 and then we had a cocktail party across the street from the studio and this high rise, the Witt Hotel, it's a beautiful place. Uh -huh. And we had a folder that was handed to us when we walked in and it was pictures and bios of all the people you would be auditioning with the following day. Uh -huh. And I had so my eight people that I was gonna audition with and uh -huh. they had all these different combinations of people that were gonna audition. And so your, your mission for the cocktail party was to mingle and then find your people that you're going to audition with. So as to see if you can establish some type of chemistry, it won't be so yeah. awkward. The next day. Like so match dating kind of. <laughs> yeah, Val was not one of my uh, matches. <laughs> yeah, they, just, they, they, didn't, they didn't match us together. So the next day I did my audition, auditioned with eight different people. The audition process was like seven minutes. You were supposed to talk about, you know, a couple of big things happening in the news, a couple of uh, pop culture stories, and then a personal story about yourself. So uh -huh. I remember doing all of these auditions and then I had to go cover the Bears practice because I was a sportscaster at the time, already working for ABC. So I kind of went into the audition process thinking, oh, I got nothing to lose. I have a job, still a sports guy at the end of the day. And you should, you should have seen the number of well-recognized faces that were at the audition. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN was there. Wow, um, I love that guy. She's the highest paid personality on ESPN now. Uh, that was the best job he didn't get. Yeah, it's, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he's amazing. I mean, he tells, you know, he talk about, you know, you know, t you know, telling it how it is. Yeah, he's a great man. He's a great man. Uh, well, that's one of them about the show. Um, you know, you know, this is something that we, you know, everyone in our world has been going through for almost a year now. Um, we, you know, from a production standpoint for Windy City Live, have you guys had any effects from COVID-19 in, 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 in regards to the actual filming and production? And uh, can you share a little bit about how COVID has been, not only for you personally, but also for your show? Uh, it's been tough. I mean, the first thing that we lost was our live audience. And then we went to home shows, which we thought was going to be 14 days, like everybody, right? 14-day quarantine, no big deal. We'll all go back to work. Everything will be great. Well, as you know, 14 days turned into six months. And then we finally got back in studio. And yeah, we have a, we have a, a much smaller crew right now because you know we don't have audiences. We need to be COVID safe. So they don't want too many people inside the building. It's been weird. I mean, for a show that really relies on energy and you know, applause and laughter, now you know, it's my co-host and I you make a joke and it's dead silence and you're like, was that a horrible joke or is it just because there's nobody in the studio audience? Yeah. <laughs> it might be a little bit of both. We, we saw, um, you know, we've seen the late night host doing it. It's just a different show to watch Jimmy Kimmel right now or, or Jimmy Fallon or Trevor Noah. It just doesn't have that energy and that punchline or that quick wit. So that's the biggest thing right now. But, you know, hey, we got to follow the rules and hope for the best. And I, I know we're, we're going through there are people out there going through much worse predicaments than we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, you know, the lockdown here in Hollywood uh, uh, in terms of productions in the studios, um, you know, it's, they're saying it could be 
uh, end of January, uh, you know, this month uh, or even February before they even start uh, picking back up with productions here in LA. Um, but you know that you brought something up too, um, which is very important, I believe, and that is um, you didn't have your live audience, and that it was tough because you do get a lot of feedback um, from your live audience um, when you were doing the broadcasting from home or you get back in the studio and you guys are doing the broadcasting with no audience. Was it hard? Were, were you, I mean, did you feel that you were still able to connect with your fans and with your audience? You know, I, I do think that the viewers have stuck with us and that's the beauty of it. I think that for them, um, they've been welcoming us back on Facebook and social media and they're just saying, hey, we're, we're just glad you're back because we were right. just reruns or we were doing home shows and the mm -hmm. home shows were really, I mean, it, it felt weird and you definitely got to make sure you clean up everything in your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually had a maintenance guy knocking on the door during a live show and I was trying not to answer the door, but I have a permission to enter slip in my high rise. So he ends up opening the door and he came in to change the battery in my smoke detector. And it was just hilarious. It just brought him on the show. And I was like, yeah. hey, come over here. And you know, we we're chatting, but it's like, Oh, that's great. Live, live TV. But I think our audience yeah, got to improvise. Yeah. And you know, our audiences have, have had fun with it as far as laughing at our, our zoom fails. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good that they're sticking by us, but we will be definitely happy to get audiences back. Yeah, no, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So you're from California originally. And you went to college uh, uh, in, in Boulder, Colorado, at the University of Colorado, the Buffalo. Yes, go Buffs. Go Buffs. And you ended up in Chicago. Um, besides hosting uh, Windy City Live, we already talked about that you're also a musician. Uh, you do a lot of philanthropy stuff. You play the guitar. You sing this, that, and the other. You dropped your own song. Um, people can find it on YouTube. What's the name of that song again? Uh, this is Country is my latest. You can check that out on Spotify and on YouTube. Amazing. This is Country by Ryan Cheverini on uh, Spotify and YouTube. Uh, and but Alexa, also, you can have Alexa play it, which is pretty cool. Oh, so you can tell Alexa, hey, Alexa, play uh, This is Country by Ryan Cheverini. That's, That's amazing. Great. I love it. I love it. I hope uh, everyone listening uh, does uh, check that song out. Uh, I've heard it myself. It is amazing. Uh, but Ryan, please, can you tell us about your career journey and how you actually ended up being a host on Windy City Live and, and, and living in Chicago. And then that's part A. And part B is when you are writing your music um, and playing your guitar, um, what is it that inspires you most about your music? Well, as you mentioned, I went to the University of Colorado. I played football there, uh, studied journalism, you know, I was doing the campus radio and TV. And while I was playing football, you know, we knew that my twin brother was good enough to play the NFL. Uh -huh. We knew that I wasn't. <laughs> and that's just how it goes. You know, some people ask me, they say, hey, why didn't you play in the NFL like your twin? And I always say, same reason why you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I had to get my journalism degree. I got a, a job at a college at a super small town, Great Falls, Montana. Have you ever been there? I actually played hockey in Great Falls, Montana. Did yes, you really? I did. Yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful town. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's okay. 
Uh, I worked in Billings too. Billings is much prettier than Great Falls, but uh, and it's a beautiful state. Let's put it that yes. way. Yes. It, it, you know, it was a small job. I was producing, writing, editing, and anchoring. And, you know, Amazing. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when I got my paper. <laughs> <laughs> it was small time market TV, but, you know, I kept working at it. And within, you know, a year and a half, I got a job in Denver. I worked at the NBC affiliate for five years there. And that was a really good break for me at age of 24. And then I worked uh -huh. there for about five years and I had a chance to come to Chicago, one of the greatest sports cities in America. So I, I took the job and did that for five years. And then Windy City Live sort of just magically opened because Oprah retired and they decided to go back to a live local talk show and they named it Morning Rush. And I remember telling the producers when I was doing the audition process, hey, you should call it Windy City Live. And that's great. Yeah, I said, whether I get the gig or not, I think that's a better name than Morning Rush. And they agreed. Uh -huh. Yeah, they absolutely. So you created the name Windy City Live, basically? I did. And you know how much I got paid for it? A uh, hundred million. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred million of nothing is what yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's been, still been a good run. But yeah, so I named the show and uh, yeah, that's how I got into being a talk show host. So that's my TV story. As far as music goes, you know, I sort of just, I tinker around in my living room and um, sometimes I just, I get a little bit inspired by whatever, you know, like, so like I got inspired, of course, we're all affected by COVID and, and the quarantine process and being, cooped up in our houses, you know, kind of made me start writing music about that. So I, I wrote a song, I haven't released it yet, but it's sort of about our first responders and just about how much will you change when this is over? Will you change? I like to believe mm -hmm. that there will be some good to come out of this. There's certainly been a lot of bad, but mm -hmm. maybe the, the silver lining is it's going to make people a little more appreciative. I know that I don't take for granted the little things in life, like going to a restaurant and just seeing friends anymore, giving mm -hmm. my dad a hug and not having to think twice about it, mm -hmm. those types of things. And so I think that, you know, that, that inspired a song. And, um, you know, I, I think that anything in your life, you know, my parents, I'm writing a song about my dad right now as he's getting older and Amazing. lessons he's taught me. I just think those are the purest songs when people really write from the heart. Absolutely. And I, I got to tell you, Ryan, just having you on the show today, and I'm sure our audience can agree with me. Um, I, I mean, you're just such a genuine, humble, big hearted, awesome guy. You know, and that's, <laughs> and, and, you know, when that's, and, and it's hard to, uh, you know, in, 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 in TV and film and, and, and the whole entertainment industry, radio, um, you know, whatever it may be, it's hard to find people who are sincere and genuine. You know, when, 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 when you're face to face with them, they'll tell you what you want to hear. But then when you walk out of the room and they close the door, they talk behind your back kind of a thing, you know, right. and, and, and it's just, you know, just what you're saying and, and, and how you're so uh, you're such a family man and, and, you know, your, your family is close and you and your brother and your father and uh, you know, it's just amazing. And, and I gotta, I gotta sincerely applaud you for, for, for being such a genuine you know, big hearted man. I mean, it just, it, it's very obvious to me. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, that, I, I think that's the thing about doing this for a living, right? You're interviewing people for a living, you're interviewing celebrities. I do the same thing. And it's always the people that 
that are humble and appreciative for where they are and what they have that impress me the most. I, I don't care how many movies this person has done. I don't care how many, you know, awards or Oscars they have. It's about treating people right, about, you know, trying to do a little bit of good in this world and, you know, trying to use your platform for the greater good. I mean, really you're doing a disservice to society if you're not doing something with your, you know, to give back. So I think that's always been important to me and I didn't come from a lot. So when I was able to, you know, financially take care of myself and be able to contribute to other causes, I think that's something that was really important to me. Yeah, no, that's, and, 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 and I can feel it. So being an ex-college football player, who is going to win the college football national championship, Alabama or Ohio State? Alabama. Alabama. You think it's going to be big or close? Uh, you know what? Ohio State looked really good against Clemson. I mean, they looked yes. really good. But Alabama's won like six of the last 10 national championships or something like that. Uh, it's hard to bet against Alabama. I mean, you know, it, people love to make this comparison when a, when a team is a dynasty like they are in college football. Hey, could, you know, they're like an NFL team. Eh, yes. They're not an NFL team. If they played against an NFL team, they would get smoked. I mean, you played, you played hockey, so you know. I mean, the difference between, you know, college hockey and pro hockey, very, very different. Uh, yes. But I will say they're somewhere in between. They're not a normal college team. I mean, yes. this is, you know, they're not quite professional, but they're somewhere in the middle there. Absolutely. Really dominant. But Ohio State looks good, but I, I would never bet against Alabama. Yeah. No, I, I you know, it's funny because when uh, Ohio State played Northwestern, um, I have some uh, uh, some buddies back in Chicago who are big Northwestern fans, and uh, when Ho when Ohio State won that game, um, you know I was kind of you know uh, you know you know sending them some shots via text like hey you know what happened I thought you know your your you know you know your Northwestern Wildcat football team was going to beat Ohio State, and every single one of them said exactly what you just said Ryan, and they said Brian are you kidding me Ohio State is like a pro team. You know, and, 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 and it's just funny how, you know, when, when people talk about Ohio State and like you were just talking about Alabama, yeah, it's, they both, I feel, both the teams, especially Alabama um, and the Northwestern fans, you know, say too that you know, they're like pro teams watching Alabama and Ohio State. Uh, yeah. It's just amazing. I interviewed a, uh, a buddy of mine who played basketball at Northwestern and they had a really good team that year. And it was so funny. It's a quote I'll never forget. I interviewed him and I said, uh, hey, do you think you guys have a shot at winning this whole tournament? It was like the Big Ten tournament. And uh -huh. he looked at me and he goes, those guys have NBA players on their team. We have investment bankers. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Such a great uh, line. Yeah, Such it is. Line. And it's so true, too. You know, it's so, it's so true. So yeah. what are you looking forward to most in 2021, Ryan? Just some normalcy. I, I'm looking forward to seeing a concert with a live audience. I really want to see Luke Combs. Yes. <laughs> I think he's Tell great. me about it. Yeah, just to see a concert. And, you know, I, I, I would love to go to a movie theater. And that's something that I never missed before. I love, like, being home and just having popcorn and watching movies on my big screen. But that's sort of what we've, we've become. But now I really miss going to a movie theater. I mean, go and yeah. miss just normal activities. I mean, that's the biggest thing mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to. And I, I think we're going to get there. It's going to take a while. I mean, we, this is not going to happen overnight, which we know, but right. I think it's going to get better. Yeah. You know, and it's just the overall normalcy of life. 
you know, in the day-to-day -day routines and, and what we, you know, what we were used to pre-COVID and now what we have to adjust to, uh, you know, post-COVID and even during COVID. Um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it's the normalcy I can definitely, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to for, you know, the podcast, you got to be bullshilling me. And we're live again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from Los Angeles, California. Our guest is Ryan Cheverini, a host of the ABC7 Chicago daytime talk show, Windy City Live. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I, I'm looking forward to actually being able to have our guest of the podcast, Ryan, come into my studio and actually do a face-to-face uh, a podcast interview with them that's live on camera and also uh, via uh, the platforms for the podcast. Um, so I understand what you're saying when you're talking about getting back to the normalcy of life for sure. Yeah, yeah. And just having that interaction. I mean, it's like New Year's Eve. This was the first time in 13 years I wasn't hosting a countdown show and that's because there's no parties. <laughs> oh, you're talking about a New Year's Eve countdown show? Yeah. First yeah. time in 13 years I wasn't doing the countdown show this year in Chicago because there's just no parties to be at. So right. it was a much smaller version of the, of the show and I taped a segment and that was it. It's just, it's very, very strange. The one thing that I won't miss after COVID is in-person work meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this. We do Zoom meetings now in the morning and then we do all of our prep at home. And then I go into the studio knock out the show and then we don't do any of the post meetings in person either. So it's amazing to, to like, we, we've realized you don't need so many meetings. Yes. Yeah. You <laughs> down in the meetings, Ozzie Guillen used to say, good teams win, bad teams have meetings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, it's another great quote. Yeah. You got that's Yeah. I couldn't agree with you and him uh, any more than that, uh, than, than how it's been said. Uh, I love it. Um, so every week, Ryan, we have uh, two topics that I like to discuss. It's different every week, different with every guest. Um, just to have some fun, talk a little bit about, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, some, some, some topics that I uh, think about during the week uh, in between guests and in between shows. But the first topic for this week with you is, um, I wanted to ask you, it's about the show Beavis and Butthead. And <laughs> this is what I you mean, think what, about in the week? Yeah, this is what I think about during the week. Yes, absolutely. And I was, you know, I was actually thinking about it. I was actually at Starbucks picking up my mobile app coffee. And then when I got back in my car, for whatever reason, it just popped in my head. And I'm like, whatever happened to that show Beavis and Butthead? I mean, that was probably one of the greatest shows that I've watched when I was a kid. I wanted to ask you, did you ever watch Beavis and Butthead? I'm sure you have, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Being a host of a television show and then also, you know, having watched a show like Beavis and Butthead, what's your opinion in regards to why do you think the show, the production and, and Beavis and Butthead, why do you think the show ended? Well, I just think everything runs its course. I think, you know, it was, it was cutting edge and it was edgy at the time. And, you know, so it caught on. But it's like everything else, it just kind of ran its course and now we're on to the next thing. We sort of have, now we really have ADD where shows don't last very long. Yeah. I mean, I, we actually just had Vanna White on Windy City Live today. Wow. And that show, she's been on it for 38 years. Real fortune. Yeah, that's still, that show's still going strong. It's just wow. amazing to me that you have these staples that last, but a lot of other things, you know, they're gonna come and go. Um, sadly, I mean, pour one out for Beavis and Butthead. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what a great show. And by the way, wow, we're really fortunate. <laughs> so the second one is, um, it, it's actually because I was doing it while I was thinking about it. Uh, but do you think it's okay for men to get pedicures? Um, I do get pedicures personally. I love them. I love the foot massage. And uh, what do you think about men uh, uh, getting pedicures? You think it's okay? You think it's, it's, it's socially uh, acceptable? Yeah, and if it's not, who cares? Do it if you like it. That's that's one thing to live by in 2021. Do it if you like it. But um, Absolutely, I, I love it. Pedicure, one pedicure in my life. Uh, we did it for the show because there's a comedian named Leon Rogers in Chicago, and he loves getting manis and petties, and uh -huh. he like buff the shine. He knows all the the lingo for his yeah, fingers. the shiny buff. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> So I remember he was talking about that on the show. And I said, wait, wait, you go to, you get your nails done? And he's like, he's like, yeah, Ryan, I'm going to take you to the South side and we're going to go. Yeah. And I, said, <laughs> I said, okay. So I went and we went to the South side of Chicago and it was not the safest neighborhood, but everybody oh, knew Leon. Everybody was just friendly with Leon. Hey, Leon. I wow, like, that's you're great. Not, I go, you're not nervous. You know, there's a lot of businesses with boarded up, you know, windows and, and uh -huh class and stuff and he's like now everybody knows me he's like now if you were here by yourself i'd be worried yeah <laughs> so we went to this little place and they treated us like kings and we got we got the manny petty and i i, I it was nice i mean it yeah. was, i mean I, I haven't done it since but uh the foot massage was probably the best part absolutely i couldn't agree more i could not agree more how can all of our listeners uh find you on social media yeah, just check me out on Instagram. It's at Ryan Cheverini. I know my last name is tough to spell. I just learned how to do it last week. It's <laughs> C-H-I-A-V-E-R-I-N-I. -I -I. I'm just at my name uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. You can check me out on Facebook as well, but the same. And uh, you can check out Windy City Live uh, on abc7chicago.com. Love it, love it, love it. And I love you all. Uh, Ryan, I uh, sincerely want to thank you so much again for joining us today. We'll definitely have you back on our show down the line. Next week, we do have another very special guest. Also, if you would like to be a guest on our show, you can email thinkshilling at gmail.com and also follow us on all social media at thinkshilling. Until then, laugh when you need to laugh. And this is Brian C. Schilling, your host of the You Gotta Be Bullshilling Me podcast. Until then, peace out. Ryan, sincerely, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Uh, happy New Year again. I wish you nothing but uh, uh, an amazing, happy, healthy, wealthy uh, 2021, my friend. Likewise, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thank you.